Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women in science, technology, engineering and maths or STEM an opportunity to share honestly and openly about what it's really like working in these typically male-dominated subjects. Each week, one woman shares her stories and experiences. She could be a public figure, the girl next door or someone from a far-off land. The point is she'll be deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we're not distracted by the details of her achievements, her labels, or what she looks like. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, also a woman in STEM. I studied mechanical engineering and ended up as a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation over the years. And through my television work, I've met some incredible women from a diverse range of STEM fields. And you know what? I've been more amazed about what I've learned from these women when the cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. These women have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human just like the rest of us, and it's their off-air honesty that I'd love to share with you through silence. It's my hope that you'll really relate to what's shared with you today, and that you're inspired, supported, and comforted, as I always am when I chat with these wonderful women. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and leave comments. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of emerging telecommunications technology. Hi. Hello. How are you? Very good. Thank you for doing this. I think what you say is so true about how we are when the cameras are turned off and kind of trying to capture that. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, my experience has always been that, you know, when the cameras are turned on or we're giving a speech or any kind of presentation of our expertise, we're always kind of armored up to be mm-hmm. a certain persona and uh, when those cameras are turned off or the speech is done and you're kind of backstage that's when you really get the true essence of a person and to be honest that's often the most inspiring part of my job yeah I mean do you work with many women yes and no so it is kind of strange because it's mostly male dominated about I think 75% male is what you know we were told about our company because we started asking these questions Mm. so that is pretty bad yeah and the thing is that the I had a colleague who jokingly called it the pink ghetto so you know the women are in HR they are in marketing and no no disrespect to those areas at all but even in a telecom company the greater percentage of women and they have so few will be in in more support kind of roles to the main product you know like they're not the product managers or they're not the the developers so what role do you have so i do something very interesting i joke that i do hand waving but basically i have a background in software engineering but what i do today is kind of explore this intersection of leading edge telecommunications technology with the emerging ecosystem and then i'm trying to work towards getting more of an in-depth you know crafting of a solution like what are the pain points in different verticals that we have how can we solve it with technology so sort of bridging more of that gap between telecommunications and the world out there i mean we are really good at understanding our own product but sometimes we don't see what the world will do with it i mean i think that's happened with just your cell phone, right? When when we had the smartphone, you know, a lot of people who were in the industry developing these phones were like, 
people are not really going to watch video on this thing. You know, you've got televisions for that or you've got a, a laptop or you've got an alarm clock. And yeah. I think unless you are looking out to see what we, we are surprised in the industry by what people do with our technology, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying not to have that surprise because surprises can mean we are not pitching our product for the right solution. We are not putting in the right solutions into our our technology. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to bring some of the outside world in and take some of this out and tell the creative people, like, here's what we have. What are you going to do with it? And how did you get into a career like this? Was this something you dreamed of doing when you were a child? No. Uh, so like a lot of engineers, I was introvert as a child. I loved to read. And I always think I was a little more organized at home. So my mom's the one, I think, who planted this in my head that, this one, she can do science, you know, that was all she knew. She didn't know what I would do, but because I have a couple of sisters and both of them are more artistic and clearly I was not. So I think sort of that helped to reinforce the fact that I was a little more organized in my thinking or, you know, I like to get to read encyclopedias and do some of that stuff. So I sort of stumbled into it. I really wanted to be an astronaut and that was just driven by watching Carl Sagan and Cosmos and being inspired by all of that beauty of the universe. Plus, I think I like the abstractness that physics has. So I kind of went into physics initially as my degree. Uh, I was a bit miserable there too, because, you know, I had these teachers and who were not the most forward looking in terms of what I wanted to do. They were more about the mechanics of the physics itself. And, and then I kind of got interested in software so i went off and pursued another degree in you know computer software engineering because that was exciting you could do a lot and you could be a little creative with software i think i wanted to bring a little bit of that into my life too plus i was being practical you know how many people really get to go into space mm -hmm. and i need a real job so uh, so but i did get very interested in that and then somewhere along the way while doing my computer software engineering, I sort of got sidetracked a little bit and pursued a lot of courses in psychology because I got really interested there. So I was drifting, but I think it's all helping me now in where I am. At that time, I was not like with a clear purpose that this is what I want to do. But now it's all sort of coming together very organically, which is cool. So I'm actually very curious that you've got sisters that were more artistic. When you were growing up, did you feel weird or different or I mean yeah 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 a little bit uh, not much we are very tight-knit but I felt more uncool and I was okay with it but because you know they were the ones who could draw and paint and but then they also had and not to generalize I mean not everyone's like this but a little more temperamental perhaps and I was a little more the quieter just reading and doing my thing huh. so <sighs> You know, I mean, we're all passionate readers, but I think the way we expressed ourselves was a little different, where I would be more like, even if my mom had to discipline me, like she couldn't just, you know, do it with the, with like a timeout or whatever. She would, she would reason with me. I needed that. Like I needed the logic. I needed a little bit of that. So I think that's where I was a bit more different, where it wouldn't work if she just said, oh, you can't go to do this or take away a privilege. But if she worked with me, then I would never do that behavior again. You know, that was what she would tell me is how I was even when I was pretty young. Gosh, that's so adorable. 
<laughs> I hope so. I like to think so, but my mom might disagree. <laughs> so I'm just trying to imagine you as a a little girl and just kind of were you always following your achievements or was it a dream or what was driving you? Yeah, I think it was very internal and it was my own my own sort of awakening about especially about physics and the cosmos and you know how things w- really are so marvelous because the cosmos is so beautiful it's it's infinitely large and then it's infinitesimally small because you get into you know the subatomic particles and everything and then you just have a whole universe that's that's micro as well as the whole universe that's macro i think i was just fascinated by that so i i really wanted to to explore this just for myself and you know i had this dream that maybe you know i would be somebody who gets to go into space and sees it for myself and i did enjoy math and i think it was a lot of reading about kepler and all that i it was really the astrophysics side that was fascinating so it's very interesting that i'm in telecom now so the only thing that i get to use from that background is understand you know the radio waves the millimeter wave and all that spectrum and that's fascinating for me as well like you know the properties of our electromagnetic spectrum is so different at the different bands mm. and engineering gave me i think that discipline a little bit because physics can be pretty abstract yeah. and you can get lost somewhere mm. and you know i had heard a joke where they talk about uh, astrophysicists who jot down a theory on a on a napkin in the morning and then in the afternoon they find that one flaw and you have to throw it all away and i think you know it's not it's very hard to make a really practical living out of it and within school and everything i think i i realized that i do want to work and i got interested in you know what can i do now okay i know this now i want to do something in this world as well and then have my dreams about space and everything but do something here too well i must say just in the first few minutes of talking to you um you sound exceptional um and you know you sound oh, no. unique um i mean are there many people like you and if not how did you cope with being you know quite different to most girls yeah actually that's true i was a little different in school and being an introvert i guess i didn't you know being popular or something wasn't a big thing for me i i would rather have a quieter conversation with one or two people and I have my best friend my bestie from first grade and we're still very close friends today. Aww. So I think I just look at that long arc of time and we're in completely different worlds now but when we talk we just so happy for each other and really that's all that matters sometimes is is you have that connection. So uh, and yeah a lot of people did call me a little weird or different but it was just who i was i figured i'm not cool and that was okay with me and mm-hmm. i think it was good to be comfortable with that yeah absolutely i didn't aspire to it because i never thought i would be it so in a way it took some of the pressure off that i could be a little weird and as i grew up i think i i had you know friends who were boys and i joked that they helped me deal with this world where it's all sometimes you know they are older than me but they are really boys in in how they react mm. so i joke about that and and that's given me some of the resilience i think to deal with 
with uh, being in a male dominated world and still able to have my friends and do my thing you know mm. that's so interesting because i think um often girls who uh, have a real stem potential don't realize it because of peer pressure and trying to look cool so it sounds like you managed to escape that obstacle yeah and the older i get the more thankful i am because I, that's a trap you get into and we know this from the research right we know that girls are especially even little girls are more likely to be to be praised for being pretty and cute and and you know that's lovely what they're wearing and which is all very nice to do i mean you know i i embrace that but that doesn't that that feeds into something that you tell yourself then that pressure gets on that and what you said is very true because when i was in university i had uh, this really brilliant uh, girl who was my classmate and you know she was very feminine long hair lovely and very interested in theater and everything and we are multi potential right just because i'm in stem doesn't mean i don't like art i love it but it's just what do i want to do with my life that's different i admire those who create art and all that but it's not like either or but i remember with this friend of mine in in college and she would be a little defensive like yes i i like engineering but you know i'm not a nerd i like theater and everything so she would take pains to to add that but i'm also this and in a way that that to me diminished the fact that hey embrace it love what you're doing and why you're doing it but uh, i think that comes on sometimes that pressure with with everyone and i think the switch starts to happen around high school yeah because at younger ages than junior high everyone's almost the same crazy you know impulsive things you're doing and you know what you like and not and and then as you get to high school that's when the difference starts where well the self consciousness kicks in yeah and then all the insecurities kick in right exactly. if i'm different i'm not going to be accepted and then i feel the teasing and you know there's all of this that goes with high school for everybody and you don't want to add that burden by being a little more different than others so is that how you managed to escape it's interesting because i at that age in my life i you know our my parents had moved to a couple of different cities so i was dealing with all of the pressure of being the new student and that was hard on me because i think i like like i said just with my friend who i've had since childhood that was all very strong bonds that i was breaking and going to a new place so it was very difficult and being an introvert and being shy i sort of retreated into myself and the funny thing is that you know up until almost through junior high and everything i was in a in a coed school so boys and girls and then i went into a a a school that was all girl and that to me was was an adjustment it was hard i was not used to having only girls and i feel that i mean there's people who do this for different reasons and they say it's sometimes better for girls to be in an all girls school but i was miserable i think i i'm better when i have some guys as friends as well and i need sort of a little bit of both and i have girlfriends too who i'm very close to but i have guy friends that i'm very close to so i think i was going through all of that at the time that it was a bigger 
bigger hairball to deal with, so to speak. It sounds like you never questioned yourself. For the most part, I didn't. So I was lucky that I escaped some of the teenage angst that a lot of people go through with figuring out who they really are. And my mom would call it like being a little stubborn, where I'm easygoing, mm. you know, for a lot of things, at, even at home or whatever. I would be flexible, whatever. But there's certain part of me, if you come at it there and tell me you need to change this, I'm like, no. And my mom would joke. And my mom and I are very close. So that's why I keep referring to her and my dad as well. And uh, she would joke that you're like a bull. You just sit there and nothing will budge you. You know, there's that that rock solid core of stubbornness somewhere inside this crazy happy person. And I think that's something that I just had. And I'm fortunate. I don't know how I got it or how it really manifested itself. But I'm finding that the more I tap into that, it gives me a clarity like, no, this is who I am and this is what I want to do. And every time I don't listen to that sort of, you know, inner voice telling me that, I think I go drift and I wander around and then I'm like, okay, why did I listen to so-and-so? So you were a child who really had a strong sense of self. Yeah, and it wasn't a very strong personality in how it manifested, you know, externally or something. People saw me as shy, quiet, whatever. Yeah. But somewhere it was there. Like just a simple thing when I took physics initially, you know, my parents were a little, are you sure you want to do physics? I mean, they're fully supportive and everything, but they're like, do you think you'd rather do chemistry instead or something? And and I'm like, at that time, I'm like rock solid, stubborn. No, this is what I want to do. I don't know what I'm going to do with it or whatever. And, you know, it's harder to score marks in physics compared to chemistry because physics is more abstract. But I was like, this is what I want to do. So there are those times. Did you have a plan? No. <laughs> no. So did you want to do physics because you enjoyed it? Yeah, I think that's all it was. I enjoyed it and I was fascinated by the universe. And I thought this would give me all the answers, which, but in our education system today, it doesn't. I had to do my reading on the side and that didn't give me class credit. So, but it's okay. And, you know, it's all, it's all good, I think. So you had a true interest from the beginning. That's so beautiful, really, to 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 imagine this little girl who just was fascinated and just kept following her fascination. Yeah, and when I was very little, my mom jokes that she should have known it because one day I started crying and she said, why? And it was because I wanted the moon. <laughs> So she couldn't she couldn't comfort me with other toys and I was Aww. like I just want the moon. Aww. Um how important were or are your parents as inspirational role models? Oh my god. I can't even they are amazing. They are self-made. My dad had nothing, literally nothing, like very very poor. I can't even tell you. He was in debt when he was in college and he was the oldest of his siblings. So he worked, put himself through school. He worked, he put money aside. He educated his siblings because he lost his dad at a young age. And he he made himself so extraordinary. And that's why I'm here where I am because otherwise, you know, poverty 
closes all these doors to you, right? You don't get the good education. You don't get exposure. You don't even think beyond the next day. He was literally at that point where he didn't know if he would be eating at the end of the week or not. So to see what he did with his life, I just feel like I have to push myself so that I can, you know, just just live up to a little bit of what he did for me and for our family. Is he in STEM? He is not. So that's funny. I'm the only one in my immediate family who is in STEM. So my dad is uh, very much, uh, you know, into finance and numbers, and he's a business-oriented person. My mom has been with economics, but she loves philosophy and all these other things. And my sisters have been artistic. So I'm the only STEM in my in our little family. Gosh, so you really just were following an, a curiosity rather than a you know have some genetic disposition yeah or a family where you know it was done so it was familiar no this was new so I was the only one it's very courageous <laughs> yeah I don't see it that way yeah but but they always encourage me because you know they they would were the ones who on my birthday would buy me the encyclopedias and mom would say you know yeah and dad would say yeah she's going to be and I think somewhere they wanted me to pick medicine because it's easier. You know, they were mm-hmm. thinking for women and they're aware of all that. And, you know, for a woman to be an engineer is more difficult. For a woman to be a doctor is definitely, you know, you can do a lot of things. But I just was not interested in medicine at all. Was there any of that kind of Asian pressure that we get? <laughs> Because, you know, parents tend to really, um, Asian parents tend to really push the importance of education. Did you ever have that? It was taken for granted that, of course, we would all go to college and get degrees. And beyond that, not much. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, you read about tiger moms and everything that you have to excel in this and get all above, you know, 99%. And then you have to do the music and you have to do other things so that wasn't it wasn't there but it was definitely taken for granted that yes you will are going to go to college there's no question and you know of course yeah there was some grumbling about when we didn't get good grades but not like not like really bad because the other thing was that I got much better grades than my sister so I think I escaped some of that but it was okay yeah, it was okay. Yeah, like, uh, and no, I'm the middle one, the troubled middle child. So you really don't sound me. troubled. No, I joke. No, I'm not. I just joke about it. So my mom, I mean, she had her own fears because my dad had heart attack pretty young. So she she just wanted us to all get married and settle down, you know, before anything more happened to him. And those fears did infect us because for a while, you know, they were like, why do you need to study so much? You know, go get married. And all the pressure from family and relatives and everything. And that's when I was very stubborn. No, I have to I have to study. I have to do this. So a uh, lot of people get pressured and the fears of the family and everything kind of infect you. Mm. And we had our moments like that where, you know, because dad was ill and then mom was worried and suddenly everyone's telling her, you got to get these girls all married off because, you know, my God. But you stuck to your guns, right? You... Yeah, that's when luckily that stubborn mule came out and I'm like, no, 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 no. But, you know, I don't know where I got it from, but I'm so glad I had it because I know a lot of people who would succumb to, you know, those kinds of pressures and then lose their voice and 
or even with their husband they they become secondary yeah yeah and i think uh i think what is a very important message that you've conveyed um is you will get other people's opinions um that maybe contradict your own but it's really important to have conviction i think sometimes it can be very confusing the difference between conviction and rebelliousness true i think that's true and i think you'll go through bad i went through my bad years too like with depression and you know not just being broken right i mean i was very ill i was broken and then i couldn't have kids so i was that was a big thing and it affects you but also how other people see you sort of you know gets very judgmental about you and stuff and i think sometimes choice uh can be quite a difficult thing to have because when you have choice you don't know what the right thing to choose is no but there'll be those holes in your life because i didn't you know plan this whole life out but for example i went through fertility treatments and they said there's nothing wrong with you but we don't know why and so then you know suffered couple miscarriages went through the whole crap with all the hormone therapy and all the emotions it brings oh my god and then i think you hit sort of rock bottom and then one day i just went and you know my husband and i we went straight to the art museum from the fertility clinic and i'm mm-hmm. like i'm just going to be here and and then i started being grateful for what i have and i said you know we have this life we have this and let's let's go let's live mm. slowly it takes a long time to shut out all those voices and yeah. all the disappointments that yeah. you bring because you know my parents were my mom was in tears because you know she, she she's like you've got a house and all who's who are you going to leave it to and i'm like i mm. have niece and nephew i'm going to leave it to them and i'm like it's but that wasn't your choice right i mean this was a health issue that you know you didn't ask for yeah it was a health issue and uh, then people tell you you should adopt and everything right. and you know yeah. there's always a choice right and i think i got to a point where i just shut it all out because it was too much yeah. it was overwhelming yeah. and then i said i'm just going to live let let it come if it comes you know so i yeah. love kids i do all this fun stuff with nephews nieces and i really don't have a problem with adopting but somehow I don't know. It's not happening and I'm not forcing it. I think that's what I mean by choice. Because you know, they they a lot of friends are now egg freezing and Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is very emotional and it's uh, like I know a friend told me like an a woman she knows went through 11 IVF cycles. I went through two. It was brutal. Oh my gosh. and i said you know at what cost am i doing this because i'm hurting my body i'm hurting you know everything and uh it's it's the hormones and everything they're pumping you with drugs so it's very unnatural and somehow i think that also freed up freed me up a little bit because that's the first time i started getting these severe emotional things with anger yeah and okay, i've had enough and so i was able to use some of that because they give you hormones and they give you steroids 
so roid rage and then mm. the emotional swing it's yeah. pretty pretty nasty yeah and the way drugs are tailored nowadays they are not really customized so i always feel like i overreact to drugs mm. like you yeah. know i have all the symptoms on the box the side effects right and um, you you want to i don't know there's no right answer you know the right answer is to really respect yourself um yeah and respect the choices yeah and really just i i i have to thank maya angelo i quote her all the time because she says all these things i did then what i knew how to do and now that i know better i do better mm. and it's very forgiving and it's very lovely and it's okay tomorrow then i'll know even better so i'll do even better you know yeah yeah that's so self compassionate yeah and that's what we don't do we're gentle to everyone but not to ourselves i mean i'm actually really fascinated with the fact that you had such a strong sense of self yet you're an introvert that that i mean actually thinking about it it sounds logical yeah i think it was overwhelming for me to have too many people and then there were these few people that i would be very close to and then i think i would chatter with them for hours and that was fine mm. but you know i can't talk to too many people and then i need to retreat every even now i do a lot of public events for example i do these large trade shows and what not but sometimes i go and find a little corner somewhere and just hide for a few minutes and that just recharges me being an introvert but is okay but you need to learn how to communicate regardless whether you're an introvert or an extrovert and i think that's something i learned quite later in life learning to speak and to express my thoughts more clearly than just you know taking it all inwards what made you realize you needed that skill life yeah <laughs> you know uh basically life you get you get pushed around if you don't if you don't express yourself clearly and i think it leads to some confusion in your own mind when you're not clear you know when you start to say things it starts to become real sometimes or you can put words to those feelings so that you can categorize them that okay this is why i'm frustrated and i need to express it so that it doesn't linger so there's a lot of little pieces like that and i think going through the ups and downs in our industry as well i was doing all this work but i think during the early part of my career it was very flat uh you know because they had in the us which is where i'm based and i started my career here there was this hiring freezes there were layoffs so there was you know no opportunity to to get the promotions and everything and i started realizing that i was diminishing myself by not expressing myself clearly in meetings and everything so it it's a very long path that i took but and eventually i have to give a plug into toastmasters as well which helped me i just yeah. did it because i never saw myself as a public speaker and i said a friend of mine actually took me and said do something for yourself and she said come with me let's go do this and we went and it was fun and then i started really enjoying you know that process of putting my thoughts and verbalizing them i was very good at writing i love to write so introvert right you like to read you like to write but speaking is a whole different skill that i started to learn pretty late in life i think the way you think just makes everything sound so 
simple and straightforward. Um, it's interesting because I think sometimes, maybe as women, I don't know, but sometimes we have a tendency to overcomplicate things. But yeah. it doesn't sound like it's like that in your world. It's it's better now, to be honest. And I think it's it's learning to find that clarity and then being guided by by you know what you read as well i mean maya angelou is beautiful in how she says something sometimes in just one line and she expresses a world of meaning in there so i think all that has helped me or even einstein e equals mc squared it's simple and elegant and beautiful it's not like a whole whiteboard of of equations which is what it took for him to get to that simple formula but i think i'm i'm seeing the value of distilling distilling this down like to the essence what is this what do i want why am i frustrated and then clear it do something what is the problem where is the pain point here with this technology and this vertical how do i figure this out so i think it's been a lifelong you know process almost and that's where in a way because that's part of the reason i was drawn to social psychology is that i want to apply it to myself mm yeah i was going to say I mean, you talk about it in technological terms, but it could be such a useful approach to life. Yeah, and and be curious about yourself too. I think, you know, being a little, an observer of yourself is a really good thing. And observe yourself scientifically, not as much as you can. We can do it. We, we all have filters, but try to see that truth. At least you can own it to yourself if you can't even tell it to the world, you know, some things okay, maybe this is my dark side or, and then own it. And then things become clear. And it's really beautiful when you're able to do even that a little bit. You feel so, I don't know, in harmony, I guess. And people sense it. Do you use any particular techniques to uh, find that clarity? Like, uh, for example, you are reminding me of the importance of meditation, which I adore. Um, yeah, I do like the stillness. And like I told you, like even in a noisy, you know, crowded customer environment. Yeah, I want to get out and just sit somewhere quietly. And I found a little, and it's funny because I do this. I'm odd. I found a little space between a pillar and a ledge and I just sat there. And somebody walked by and looked at me like, who's this strange person and what is she doing here? But it's 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 okay. And I'm like, you know, just own it. Yeah, I'm strange. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And and I think that helps me, even if it's like just what you talked about meditation. I mean, I haven't followed any formal meditation techniques, but I want to do that quiet stillness and then look for what what am I, you know, because our brain is giving us all these signals and we feel discomfort about something or whatever. And we need to figure out what it is so we can solve that problem. And I think you have to find that way to just listen and be truthful to yourself and then you can find authentic solutions i think you find better solutions to your own life but also to technology or problems or so was stem just easy you know did you just sail through school oh uh, no i could have but i think i i went through the typical teenage thing of i don't need to do this i don't care you know you zone out school sometimes was boring classes were boring and so i i in high school 
I know I could have done much better in terms of grades, but I didn't. When I was young, I used to get perfect grades all the time. And then the teenage years, a little bit of whatever, I don't care. And then coming back again into university, when I did the combination of my software engineering and psychology, I was fully immersed in school. Like I was like, my God, my brain is growing in all these directions. I want to do it all. I want to be a student my whole life. And then you know, eventually I'm like, no, no, I want to graduate. I want to get a job, see what it's like in the real world. So it was not easy. No, I did struggle with, you know, even with math sometimes. Some things were very easy, but, you know, definitely there were areas of math that I struggled with, discrete mathematics, for example. And even some of the concepts in physics, I mean, I don't think you need to be an Einstein to grasp them, you know, some of those things which Mm. are out of reach fascinating but out of reach so so were there ever any thoughts to quit hmm, to quit this field you mean huh no actually no because it happens to a lot of women who take true 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 and you can't keep up it's it's intense and it's grueling and uh, you're right actually I did have couple girlfriends in school who switched majors and all that Mm, yeah how come that didn't affect you did you have a good support network or did you just have a very strong inner resolve that this was the right path for you a little bit of I think I had a feeling of you know they call it like you have too much invested to quit yeah so even when I got interested in psychology in school and I actually considered pursuing it full-time and my professor was pushing me to do it but I I was like, no, I think I stick with engineering. And I like that even in my psychology class, I brought a different perspective because of the engineering side in me, where we did like, you know, some critical thinking where you take apart certain, you know, item in the news and then you see, is this real or not? Or where are the holes in this thing? Or what are, why is it written in a way to, to condition, to appeal to our biases? So I I do see that I bring a little bit of that into the art world. And I love the the creative side and everything too of life and world and, you know, just art and artists and all that. Mm. But I look at things differently. It's funny because even when I buy shoes, I look at them differently from my sister, who's more in the artistic world. And she looks at the aesthetics of the shoe and I'm looking at the engineering. I'm like, I love this shoe because, you know, the structure is so good and it fits and it feels and yeah. And she's like, but they're ugly. And I'm like, I don't see the ugliness. It's like, I see the beauty of the design. I often ask women this question in my podcast. Um, what does having it all mean to you? Oh, that's a good question. Because you're always juggling, balancing. I think having it all means to me is, hmm, that's a difficult one. You never can have it all. Life will never give you everything. I mean, in my own case, I've got amazing friends, family and all this. But, you know, I'm missing a big piece of what people have. I don't have kids. I was not able to have kids. And that's that's a big gap, right? But I have fulfillment in other areas. And don't look for having it all. I think look for finding ways to to just embrace what you have and then if you're not really happy with what you're doing for example or your job or you're feeling powerless I think that's that's kind of the biggest handicap 
feeling powerful and feeling that you are contributing to me that's that's having it all having respect for myself and for others and you know having that reflected back to me those are the things mm. i think that matter because if you look for i need to have this i need to have the home i need to have the family i need to have peace with whatever you're not going to get that yeah because there are i think women are under so much pressure to you know not just have the successful career um but also to be mothers and and to just juggle so many things on top of what men juggle yeah and to be do all that and also to smile do you know how many times women get told just smile you're not smiling why yeah. and it's less now but 10 years ago it was even worse i think some of the stuff that's coming out in social media is helping change some of those conversations mm-hmm. but yeah uh, i heard from another woman who would tell people you know sometimes in frustration that well my grandma passed away just to get them to stop telling her to smile when she didn't feel like smiling yeah we've got a lot <laughs> on our minds yeah and i don't i don't have to so that's that's kind of some of the things that we we women face more than men do men in engineering even can be cantankerous and cranky and get away with it and you know they they don't it doesn't ding them even on their performance reviews i mean it's one thing that they get away with it in a meeting or something but managers have you know a lot of managers are male and they have that blind spot so that's one thing i looked into because i started getting into a lot of we have business groups for women and gender diversity councils and all that mm. and i kind of approached it with that engineering mindset like what are and there's a lot of women doing some of this work uh, where you know the feedback that women get is very personal and it's also women get a lot more corrective feedback at work than men do at least in the IT and technology industry interesting uh, so yeah and you get told things that are personal qualities like oh you're very patient you're very nice nice doesn't tell you how i do my job nice doesn't belong in a performance evaluation right and nice belongs in a family setting or in you know your friends whatever or you get the what's called the grindstone word like you're very hard working so it tells you that you're working hard but it's not talking about my achievements yeah. it's not using words like dynamic like you know productive there's a difference between hard working and productive and that's that's my problem why is that vocabulary used for women do you think it's very female specific it is i think it is and i think part of it is not that it's uh, because we are a minority and it's changing i see the evolution of things changing for the better but what i've seen is that sometimes guys they don't know how to deal with women as colleagues they they think of me like i had a manager he was very very nice early in my career and he sort of saw me as more of a daughter figure than you know uh something else so the personal qualities right and i'm friendly and whatever so maybe you know we had a good personal interaction but that was hurting me because he was trying to shelter me from the mean colleagues you know the ones who are nasty and everything and keeping me from those opportunities in a way i saw that he didn't mean to do it he was but he was trying to protect me too much and that's not good for me as an employee i need to learn to deal with it right i'm not dating the guy i'm been a meeting with him and if he's yelling scold him for yelling or being nasty don't don't try to shield me from it so 
there is some of that i think they don't know how to deal with with women sometimes as a coworker as an equal they see you as a a mom or you know my you're like my daughter you're thin like her or you're this like her or once it was really funny because i got a feedback from my manager telling me because i was fighting for my team trying to do something this was when i was a team lead and he said oh you're a good mom i'm like excuse me these guys are 15 years older than me i am not their mother and i do not want to be yeah. <laughs> that means they can act like babies right and i have to be the mom i mean it was just wrong nothing wrong with being a mom but that's not what i'm bringing yeah. here so do you want to be seen to be like gender neutral or cuz some women might enjoy that kind of uh feminine appreciation it's nice you know i i i tell my managers too or whoever when i these days i talk a lot more about this topic with some of the guys on my team and what i say it's lovely that you give me the personal compliment but don't let that diminish you know what i'm bringing to the mm. to the table yeah and sometimes th- and i i kind of encourage them and i tell them even the guys on my team like you're going to be leaders tomorrow so i don't want you doing this see us and try to change your just changing those words changes your thoughts so it's not just you know with psychology you know this right it's not just your your attitude that drives your behavior if you alter one or two things of your behavior it changes your attitude so if you start using words like this or just watch am i doing this in my performance review or when i talk about a male colleague versus a female colleague let me just change that word to something else and uh, you know we've got organizations like uh, the national center for women in it which put together a little brochure on on the kinds of words to use right so it gives you a suggested list like don't say hard working maybe say productive because that's much better or or you know if she's really doing something call her a dynamic leader or show proactive use those stronger words for either gender mm-hmm. and and it's been interesting to have those conversations and i think women should be feminine and there's nothing wrong with that i mean we've seen with the hashtag i look like an engineer yeah, if you're familiar I with am. that one yeah. that was fabulous and and be yourself i think that's the really good you can do that but watch for these things watch for somebody diminishing a little bit of your work and definitely do not let yourself be you know professionally disrespected because sometimes that happens to oh yeah whatever she's nice so she gets along with all these colleagues excuse me she makes the effort to do it right she makes the effort to get the job done despite maybe this colleague is difficult or mm. whatever and and i think that's what needs to be a little more clear without and my style is not to be confrontational too much it's more like let's talk about this and let's talk like sensibly look these are the words and these are the words and like i told one of my male colleagues about this story where i was called a good mom and i said you know a guy would never get that feedback if he was taking care of his team it would be a completely different word used for him he would never be told oh you're such a good dad you take care of you know your team he would never and he then he nodded he's like holy crap yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean honestly it's so it's so complex um because i think as mm-hmm. women you know i think fundamentally don't we all male or female just want to be appreciated and 
when we yes. are appreciated because we're nice or we're hardworking, that can often be very confusing um, because, you know, I, I wouldn't want yeah. to be spoken to as though I'm a man, yet I wouldn't want to be spoken to um, in a softer way because I'm female. So I don't actually know. Exactly. I don't know what I want. So it's kind of. I know. How do you deal with kind of trying to define oneself in a working environment yeah and i wouldn't be too harsh because sometimes it's well-meaning yeah. so to me i couldn't see myself shutting someone down it's so funny because the things i get to hear one time i was at a trade show and people were being you know very friendly very nice one customer vp came to me and said oh you smell good i'm like oh my god but he didn't yeah. mean it, you know, he meant it in, I think there's an awkwardness that like they don't try to compliment. Yeah. And the thing is that in a lot of times like this, I'm the only woman who organizes the technology side of the demo and who presents it to. So it's just one of me. And, you know, sometimes you get this, you just laugh it off. It's okay. I, I don't want to, you know, jump on them for everything, but I, I kind of try to say it some where I can. And I say, okay, that's good, but don't you think I'm doing a good job as well? Or something like that, you know, sometimes in a lighthearted way but and make them aware and sometimes with more serious conversations with, you know, especially people in leadership roles. And I found mm -hmm. that you need to work, like especially when we start out in our career, we don't feel the power to do this. And somehow I wish that would change, that we could feel empowered to learn that, you need to manage your manager a little bit too. Like say, hey, you know, this is what I'm like and this is what I like. And it's really sweet that you say this, but would you, you know, would you understand if I told you that this is what I want? You know, just find a way, a neutral or a nice way to say this. And that would be really good. And I didn't do that early in my career because it's it's lovely to be said that you're a nice person and, yeah. you know, it makes me feel good. I think kind of talking about all these different examples and your experience and my experience, I think ultimately the conclusion is that we have to just be comfortable with ourselves. Yeah. Um, because men, it, to be honest, it sounds like men are sometimes clueless as to how to deal with us, particularly if we are a minority in something yeah. like yeah. Know, engineering. And so rather than trying to change others, it's probably better and easier if we just learn how to change ourselves. And at the root of changing ourselves, we have to have conviction about who we are. That I totally agree with that. Have the conviction of who you are. And sometimes the changing ourselves get taken a little too far where you know you see like what i said women get a lot more corrective feedback you're great but here is something you need to change and but i'm sure men get that as well don't they not as much not as much that's the interesting thing that the research has shown and we dug into this a little bit because i was you know a rep on some of these national center for women in it and others and we had a bunch of women and academics and people from government and we would all sit and talk about this and kind of try to distill it down so they've done a lot of research on performance evaluations because that's sometimes the gating factor right your performance evaluation can determine whether you get ranked as outstanding and whether you get that next promotion or whether you're ranked as good 
or you know better than average mm. but not outstanding so there is a subtlety there and those are the things we are trying to at least that's what fascinates me is how we phrase things and how so it goes back to putting the communication right how do we say this you, you say because i think men feel more comfortable telling us to correct something compared to a man confronting another man sometimes it's it's a little odd i mean you know it's it's at a subtle level it's not often very blatant there are those cases too but on the whole i believe people are trying to do mm. the right thing and most people are and one other thing that you mentioned is it's true that men i think are emotionally coddled a little bit so they don't know how to express certain things and with engineers you know the the stereotype is we don't have the best social skills right a mm, lot of engineers yeah. and i think they don't understand how to express themselves so they that's why they put you in the box of you know okay being a friend or being a daughter or being a whatever a mom they can't see that you don't belong in one box you go across so so i i feel like they we and we women we do this to the men as well like in even in our families and all that especially given all this stuff coming out with me too and all these horror stories that we are seeing that everyone's gone through some form of harassment right if you're a woman but how many of us have told our fathers or our husbands or our brothers that this has mm-hmm. happened to me because we worry that they won't be able to handle it we worry that you know either they'll overreact or or something we we break their heart or something so we protect them and they don't know the extent of the problem sometimes because we haven't told them that hey this happens to me you know almost once a year but the sad thing about that is that we end up um having to carry that by ourselves yeah and i think that's why yeah. i started a podcast like this because um you know there's a lot of there are a lot of resources out there that really support women who yeah. are um you know starting their own businesses or you know learning to code or whatever it is but there's very little out there that actually provides emotional support and i think that's yeah. a major aspect of becoming a a successful career woman I think so I think there needs to be something like that where you and as a woman you know we in general as a gender we tend to use the word sorry a lot more yeah. compared to men Why so there's all these that? little things and I don't know and being aware of it can help us change it and it's as simple as dropping one word from your sentence mm. and this is a kind of training you need and I think this is some of the power of how we communicate that's really changed my life in a way because i did all of these things i would be like um you know okay you're very doubtful when you're putting forward an opinion yeah. even though you may know it and now it's like okay i'm not sure but i think this is what it is and to have that confidence to say it that way is really good and to say it without saying sorry and this and that because as soon as you do that it's human reaction is to diminish what that person is saying or not hear it as closely we are all drawn to powerful people right when they talk we listen we all do it it's a human response and somewhere we need to learn these things as we get into the workplace so it's like 
developing those those battle skills yeah without it being a battle right just learning to arm yourself like you know this is something you need to fix and and go with it and the guys too they need to learn that because there's a lot of knee jerk reaction with the men as well sometimes right when they see a woman as head of whatever they're like oh well you know maybe this is a company that's just doing this to get some quotas yeah. in and all that yeah and yeah there's that immaturity there right so we just need to break those walls a little bit and say hey we are working this hard and we deserve this so i don't know i don't know but i'm glad it's changing i'm really trying to kind of work out in my head why it is that women doubt themselves so much because i see it not just in young uh women and girls but i also see it kind of with women that have experience yeah. in their careers there's always this hesitation no um true. is it a fear of failure is it i mean where does it come from because men certainly have that less and they have that less with less knowledge as well <laughs> exactly yeah and i think that's that's something that i'm wondering because i see it more now with some of my peers and it's a couple of days ago i was talking to an old friend of mine and she was telling me you know very very negative about herself so i think self deprecation and modesty is one thing but self disrespect that's not okay and the way she was telling me is like i'm doing this and you know she told me she signed up for a half marathon and i'm like wow okay she's never run before okay so this is something she's doing and she's like i don't know i'm always doing these crazy things and the way she's telling it in such a negative way i'm like girl be proud of what you are you're multi talented you like a lot of different things and she's kind of questioning herself and apologizing for who she is because she's not focused on one straight line i'm like you don't need to be like that if you're not like that just own it and say yeah i drifted i did this i'm okay you know who who not everyone's a super specialist there are some who are and you're not so it's okay yeah i mean i honestly when i listen to you i it sounds extremely logical very clear <laughs> um obvious almost yeah but to put that into practice is yeah, an entirely different thing it is i mean i almost want to bottle what you're saying and 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 just take a big gulp every time mm. i feel self doubt kind of coming over me but it's just so hard maybe it's the societies we live in where uh there's just a lot of pressure or there's a lot of um judgment in mm-hmm. being different and just being unusual and i think you know be proud of being different is something that really has to come from within we're not going to yes. be able to get that approval from outside of ourselves no you will never get it and there'll be always those who call you weird or stupid yeah. or you know try to because they want to succeed some people want to succeed by tearing you down and you got to be able to see that and say no this is not who i am they may think so but because that becomes very toxic yeah so is that kind of approach something that you have always practice because i get the impression that you have always been quite cocooned by your 
confidence, your inner confidence, not arrogance, which is something entirely different, but your inner confidence has buffered you from the opinions of others outside of you. And has that been your approach? Yes and no. No, it's changed. So I think in my younger days, I was very self-critical. It didn't matter that somebody else was scolding me, for example, like my mom or whoever, outside a teacher, whatever, because I would scold myself much worse. I was, you know, in a way, the inner voice in your head. And that voice was kind to others, but harsh to my own self. And somewhere I read about this, and I think reading has opened my world up with Maya Angelou and all these wonderful, you know, role models that you have, powerful women. And one of the things... One day it struck me, somebody told me this, and I said, be kind to yourself. And then I started doing that a little bit more actively. You have to do it actively. It doesn't just happen one fine day that, you know, you get all this confidence. No, you have to work at it. Yeah. And it is work, isn't it? It is. It is. It's a constant being your own therapist, your own cheerleader. And in fact, one day I even wrote it down on my, you know, I have a little scrapbook that I scribble notes on when I'm upset or something. And long back, so a few years ago, I wrote it down. like I am my own cheerleader. Who cares if nobody else cheers me? I will cheer myself. So I've had like bad years where I didn't really grow or do anything. I just hid and you know, I'm so glad that I got out of that. I don't know. It's it, But it, it takes time and you got to do it. We are so good to our friends or to our kids or, you know, you'll nurture them. But we don't take that advice and apply it to our inner self. We criticize everything we do. Oh, I don't look good. I don't do this. I'm confused. So I'm interested in too many things. Most of us, particularly women in STEM, I think, because, you know, it's it's such a... It's such a logical way of being, isn't it? And I think a lot of women in STEM are always striving to be better. And it's that constant striving to be better that means that you're usually quite critical all the time because we're not looking at the achievements. We're constantly looking at where we lack so that we can acquire in that area. And and that can can really chip away at one's self-esteem, I think. And a lot of times, especially when you're the only woman on a team or something, you're the only one that's different. So you're more self-conscious. So you're more, you know, and sometimes in some workplaces are more hostile than others, right? So you will not get that nurturing from your team, for example, if you're the only woman sometimes. And that feeds in on itself like, oh, I don't, you know, the imposter syndrome, I don't belong here. What am I doing? I should go back and take care of my family or do this instead and nothing wrong with doing that but don't hide I think that's what we tend to do and it's very natural to do that but I mean I keep talking about Maya Angelou but what she said is so true surviving is important but thriving is elegant and that was beautiful I love it I had it on my whiteboard at work and it it became a mantra, you know, in a way you, you tell yourself these things. Yeah, okay, I'm surviving, but I'm not thriving because I'm not feeling that joy of coming into work and doing something. And then slowly you start to take those baby steps, even if you, you know, to to gain your own respect and your confidence and say, no, I know this. So let me say it clearly and, you know, speak up. Yeah. And that'll, that'll keep that frustration from going inwards. It'll help you to to overcome some things and 
you radiate that in a way sometimes and then people start to accept you that okay this one yeah she can you know she owns it she can do it mm. and it, when you hesitate and say something like we know it and we may be leading a project but we sometimes women we tend to to be a little timid in how we express ourselves or we don't own it completely you know yeah. warts and all like if there's a mistake hey i'm the one in charge i did it we don't we don't hide we don't panic and i think that that comes slowly over time but it takes work you got to keep reminding yourself okay get out there do this and that comes from a very empowered place owning our failures mm. actually uh which is an it amazing does. i'm just having an epiphany right now because um mm-hmm. you know fear of failure is something that uh oh, yes. kind of haunts a lot of us women in stem and the idea of actually owning failure um it's very empowering to think about that it is and just telling ourselves what's the worst that can happen mm. okay and you know and uh, sometimes i see that we we tend to the script in our head is what's you know keeping us in that cycle like what you said a little f- few minutes before was we like what, what what i'm telling you sounds so logical but yet you know we question we question and i do this with some of my friends where some of them are really stuck in this rut of questioning themselves a mm. lot and i'm like is that a form of self indulgence in a way that i'm only looking at myself and question 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 should i not look outside and say this is my contribution this is what right. you know where we want to go towards something rather than just keep telling myself like oh i can't do this i i didn't do this right i didn't do that right and I think we tell ourselves no and I can't a lot and if we start slowly saying okay I cannot do all this but here's what I can do and then just it's a baby thing but celebrate that and sort of use that as your new addiction you know gosh honestly I wish I could just talk to you for hours because I feel like you <laughs> you have a a wisdom that is uh, I mean I've met you in person and you do radiate um this this power um but it's not like a loud kind of uh kind of noisy attention grabbing power it's a very um quietly uh just i don't know how to describe it but it's like an energy that is so attractive that comes from just knowing it's like an inner knowing of um your value it's about tapping into that i think it's i see it uh, you know i'm you know a scientist but i see some things what you talk about energy is true uh and sometimes i feel like i used to be more overwhelmed by the energy in the room and i didn't think that i have the power to transform the energy in this room right and that's a powerful thing to think about maybe when i walk into the room i change the energy of the room and i definitely have to credit some of this with toastmasters and learning how to project myself a little bit more and suddenly i tapped into something that i realized is is liberating like okay these people they don't want to hear what i have to say but you know i'm just going to go and see what i can do and i think just knowing that 
one person and you have that sometimes right we know that one person who walks into the room and the room lights up in a way and i'm like i wish i could be that person maybe that's what i want to go towards and and the only thing that's probably stopping you from being that person is you yes in fact it's been really good for me to engage with the guys on some of these topics and one of the guys told me that that the fact that i am emotional at work as well and i tell people yeah i'm emotional about my work because i care whatever and i had a manager who 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 did this where you know sometimes when women we are frustrated the tears come out it's mm-hmm. not a sign of weakness but it's just it is what it is kind of caring yeah and one of my senior managers yeah she was i mean she, when she left and went to a different company and she said she was going to have a heated discussion with her bosses and she kind of explained to them beforehand that hey sometimes when i'm frustrated the tears will come it doesn't mean i'm you know weeping because of you know sad or whatever so she kind of owned it and i thought that was so powerful for a senior manager to go in and say hey if i cry this is why i cry wow and yeah i can't bring myself to see myself doing that because most of us what we what do we do we go run into the bathroom and cry and to be that person and to say yeah i am i am an engineer but i'm also emotional and the two are not mutually exclusive right but it's also accepting yourself for who you are which is the most powerful thing you can do and men have emotions too and one of the things that one of the guys told me and this is in a nordic country where they're a little more stoic but what he told me was so powerful he told me that one day i got really emotional about something was not working you know i get like this sometimes when the project you know things are not working and then he and i said i'm sorry i'm getting very emotional and he said no no you being emotional gives us permission to be emotional too so it's okay yeah. and i felt so good that with these guys some of them bring them with us we can lead them don't just think that i want to be their equal think of there's something i can give to these guys and lead them into a better place of comfortable you know we are okay with with the complexities of life and emotions and let's bring that into the workplace too and yeah. kind of help them you know talk to them about this and you know see yeah i mean i think women women can be leaders there's absolutely no question about that but we have to believe that we are bringing something valuable to the table and the more women that do that the more women will follow in their footsteps yeah and we the stereotype of women is we are more collaborative and it's true to a lot of extent right and maybe that's what we do so i had a male manager once you know question me because i was he, we had a bunch of different teams and all with leads and i was one of the leads but i was only female lead on all the teams that he had so he one day questioned me out of the blue on you know he didn't think i was tough enough because he said he kind of told me that i'm too polite in my emails pretty much is what he told me which is shocking but uh, <laughs> he said well you know i have this one so and so engineer and he's known to be very cranky very obnoxious whatever i mean how will you deal with him and at the time i was flustered because he just blindsided me with this i didn't know this is why he called me he just gave it to me like all this stuff like you know if i need to put someone on a plane will it be you who will be and i'm like okay has there been a problem in the team or what i've done and he said no he's just thinking of potential problems and i said okay if there is a problem i will step down 
and somebody else can take over but i was like what are you trying to do and of course later you think of all the clever answers you could have given right but at the time i was later then it made me think and i said well what i would do with that cranky obnoxious engineer is probably i would make friends with him you know i i can do this like i go and the smile and say hey how are you and maybe he's cranky because he's hungry and sometimes that's what it is it's so simple mm-hmm. right life and and uh, or then later i thought about it some more and i said well if he's cranky and obnoxious you should be correcting him and not telling me yeah um, it it just opened me up and made me think of all this stuff and you know then i started saying okay next time this happens these are going to be my answers so i had to prepare myself for the next time and you know a couple times he blindsided me like this and i knew he was putting me under more scrutiny because i was a woman but it was not something i could tell him i didn't want to you know say that but once he told me something where he said because i do i do collaborate and you know i chat with these people and you know i'm more friendly i guess and so once he told me something that he thought would really hurt me where he said uh, he just i don't know why he did this he like pushing my buttons and he said you know not everyone likes you yeah i'm trying like, to topple you and that day yeah that day fortunately i was in this mind space and i gave the perfect answer i think and i said oh don't worry i have friends and family for my emotional needs and he just shut up and then after that i think things wow, changed wow that's such a powerful statement and it was very calm and from the heart and you know i'm thinking like i don't come into work for emotional yeah. support i really oh, don't i love that and wow. and and then i was so pleased with myself the whole day i was like damn for once you know i got the right answer out but i think we need to start preparing ourselves for, ourselves for these and yeah and we know that we'll be blindsided every now and then mm. but hey that can happen once it can happen twice don't let it happen multiple times mm. it's just been incredible talking to you because i really in everything you've said there's such a strong sense of self-respect and um self belief and i think really that is the root of how you have carried yourself through your career and um you know ended up becoming the successful woman that you are so thank you so much for sharing that with us i feel like i would love to have a 3 hour long conversation with you because there's just so much <laughs> wisdom to draw on but hopefully in the short time that we've had to chat um some of your secrets to resilience has um shined through so thank you for coming on this podcast thank you so much yes we all have our superpowers let those superpowers out that's it from my stem guest this week how amazing to have self acceptance and just a true care for one's own well-being and When I think about it, it makes total sense. I mean, my speaker would just had so much clarity on it, but it really does seem obvious that you know, no one's going to kind of love you the way you can love yourself and it seems as though in having that kind of self-love, you can really be of service to others and 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 contribute to the world um your best self. Thank you so much for listening this week. Don't forget to subscribe. catch you next week on silence